through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, Second Chronicles. Chapter 26, now the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. Let's pray. Lord, that you just bless our time through your word. Lord, thank you for those serving, and Lord, we just pray your hand upon us now, in Jesus' name, amen. As we see there in verse 1 that Uzziah takes over for his father from last week, uh, Amaziah, who did kind of well in the beginning, but then faltered at the end, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. But I want to turn to, so we have a little reference for ourselves. let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1, just the first verse, so you know kind of where we are in Israel's history. Isaiah 1, just the first verse. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, and here we are, in the days of Uzziah, and then his son Jotham, Ahaz, and then Hezekiah that we will see Lord willing, next time. And so we see that Isaiah is being the prophet during these four kingdoms. It's going to be a long time that Isaiah is the prophet. In fact, let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 6. And we see Isaiah writing, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high. I'm sorry, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And so Uzziah dies and Isaiah uh, is mourning and so is the rest of the nation mourning for King Uzziah. uh, All of the work that he went into restoring those things of the Lord. So let's come back now to 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And let's look at this King Uzziah. And again, now the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and he made him king instead of his father Amaziah. And he built Elath and restored it to Judah. And after the king rested with his fathers, and Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king. And would you note with me that he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem? (laughs) And his mother's name was Jechaliah. Who wouldn't want a good king for 52 years? Man, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? We wouldn't have to have an election. But having longevity, as we'll see, it's good. And then there's, well, let's see what Uzziah does with the time in which God gives him to be king. And we need to remember that, that God gives us the years on planet Earth for a reason. And are we using them for the Lord? Are we using them on ourselves? So let's see what Uzziah does with his 52 years of reign. And he did, verse 4, what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God, as long as he sought the Lord. Please note with me, God made him prosper. And again, Uzziah is going to do some wonderful things in the Lord, and the Lord is going to prosper him amazingly. But note with me here in verse 5 that it describes his days. It says, he sought God in the days of Zechariah. So Zechariah, the prophet, the priest in his life, and he sought the Lord through that advisor, notice, who had the understanding in the visions of God As long as he sought the Lord, that's Uzziah, God made him prosper. Now he went out and he made war against the Philistines, and he broke down the wall of Gath. (laughs) Who came from Gath? Starts with a G. Heard it over here. Goliath, right? So this is the Philistines towards the south in the Gaza Strip that we know today. And so he went down and he broke down the wall of Gath, and the wall of Jebna, and the wall of Ashdod, and he built cities all around Ashdod, 
and then among the Philistines. And so God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians who lived in Gur of Baal and against the Menunites. Also, the Ammonites brought tribute to Uzziah, and his fame spread as far as the entrance of Egypt, for he had become exceedingly strong. Now, listen, things are going well, right? He has taken out people that no other king has taken out before. Did you see that last part, though? (laughs) What happens when people become exceedingly strong? Don't look at it. What what do you think is going to happen when people do really well and yet don't protect themselves against that dreaded P word, pride? It is that which caused Satan to fall, Lucifer himself, that I would be like God, Lucifer said, that I would sit above. It is dangerous when we become successful. Isn't that opposite of what the world says? The world says be successful and everything would be okay. The Bible says there's nothing wrong with being successful. Just be careful when you get there. So let's see how careful Uzziah, because he's doing really well. And so Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate, the valley gate, and the corner buttresses of the wall, and he fortified them. So previous kings, walls, portions of it have been broken down. Uzziah does good. He starts to rebuild and build these walls back up. He's doing great. He built towers in the desert, and he dug many wells, for he had many livestock, both in the lowlands and in the plains. He also had farmers and vine dressers in the mountains and in Carmel. Please note this. What a wonderful description of this king. We don't read it anywhere else. For he loved the soil. He was a farmer. He loved to be out there. Let me put it this way. He loved the land of Israel. And if you love the land of Israel like Uzziah, you're going to want to fortify it against your enemies. I love that phrase. He loved the soil. Moreover, Uzziah had an army of fighting men who went out to war by companies or battalions, we might say, according to the number of their roles as prepared by G.L., the scribe, and Maasa, the Officer under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. And the total number of the chief officers of the mighty men of valor was um, 2,600, and under their authority was an army of 37,500, and they made war with notice, mighty power, to help the king against their enemy. And then Uzziah prepared for them, prepared for the army, so he was into military spending for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows, and slings to cast stones. Now listen, if you have an army, you have to provide for the army. Am I the only one that thinks that way? And if you don't have what the army needs, how can they do the task that they're called to do? I love how descriptive that is. He says he gets them their Kevlar helmets and their body armor. Remember we fought a war a couple of, I don't know how many wars we've been in lately, but our, the, the vehicles we had didn't have any armor plating on the bottom and the families were buying them and sending them over. They were poorly equipped to do the job that they needed to do. And I love how Uzziah prepared for them for the entire army, all of the army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bows and slings to cast stones. And so he made devices in Jerusalem. Notice this. He had smart people working so that they they were invented by skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and large stones. So he built on the corners 
of the walls and as well on the walls, he put in all this new technology in modern warfare. Now, listen, you may not appreciate this, but I love that we have smart people somewhere working on new weapons. That allows us to minimize the damage that's out there. You know, in World War II, when we dropped bombs, what did we do? We just carpet bombed entire cities, right? The Germans did the same thing, right? And all of this innocent civilians were killed. Well, today, we don't do that. We have targeted munitions. And so, like in the days of Uzziah, I love this, invented by skillful men. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelously helped. That means God helped him. Till he became, here's that word again, strong. Keeps coming up. Well, verse 16, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up. It's pride. Please note with me to his destruction. Pride will do that, will it not? It will bring you to a place of, note with me, destruction. Not the fall, but destruction, utter destruction, just like Satan. Notice, for he had transgressed against the Lord, his God, by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So, God had set forth in the Mosaic law that the king was supposed to be the king and the priest was supposed to be the priest. The priest wasn't supposed to do the king's job and the king wasn't supposed to do the priest's job. This, I imagine, bugged David because David was really more of a priest than he was a king. And it just killed him that he couldn't go in there and burn incense and to worship God in the way that the priest did. Well, Uzziah has been reading his own CNN clippings. (laughs) He's been reading all of the good press about how great a job Uzziah is doing and how he's built up the military, and how smart he is, and how effective he is. Well, if I'm effective in this, why wouldn't I be an effective priest? But that's not your job. Listen, the faster you know your role in the body of Christ, the more you will be productive. That means, Lord, what are you calling me to do? What is my role? And whatever that is, Do that and do that well. Try not to do something else that you're not good at. He says, he entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Now, does anybody think that the next lines are going to go well? No. And so Azariah, the priest, (laughs) I I want to see this on video. I want to see Ezra the priest running after him, and with him, 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. Notice how the Holy Spirit describes these priests who are running in. They're running in to protect the Lord. Now, he doesn't need protecting, but they're running in as well as Azariah. And so they withstood. Listen, what happens when you withstand a king? Feel free, shout it out. You lose your head. There's, you don't do that against a king. Listen to this. These men knew what they were doing was so important, they didn't care if they died. We, I'm not here to shame anybody. I just think that we don't have the resolve that these men had. We're not willing to die anymore for what we believe in. Even believers, it's coming. There is a reckoning coming on planet earth and they can't wait to get rid of us. And it will be slow in the beginning and they will call us rats and they will call us all kinds of other names. And then the soft tyranny will start and then they'll close churches. Oh, wait a minute, that's already happening. Are we, like these priests, ready to withstand 
the authority of the king. Kind of hits home, doesn't it, in 2020? Are you able to have the resolve of these men who said, you know what? What the king is doing, what the government is doing is beyond their scope of authority. Is it Uzziah going beyond the scope of his authority? We would say it's against the Constitution, against the First Amendment. But how many people will not even dare to say that, let alone stand up against that? Amen? You're not as fired up as I am tonight. (laughs) Think about all of the churches that aren't meeting. Since... March and are still not meeting because they don't want to withstand against their Uzziah. And I look at these men and I look at what the, what the Holy Spirit says, that they were valiant. Where is your line in the sand? You need to know your line in the sand before you get to the line in the sand. This is what I won't allow my government to do without me rising up. And again, that's not me saying this, let's just go bum rush Washington, although that might be fun. (laughs) How about that little Christmas miracle? No, there are ways of doing it. There's a ways of pushing back. You see, guys, they're doing things because people don't push back. And so they continue to do it. And we talked about this on Sunday. And because people don't go to jail for the crimes that they've committed against not only humanity but against the Constitution, because there is no consequence for that, they feel emboldened to keep going and going. What happens if Uzziah was not stopped by these priests? Where was Uzziah about to go next? Here he's just going in to pinch a little incense on the altar. What else is in that temple? There's a big curtain. It's called the Holy of Holies. If you're emboldened to go inside and pinch incense, don't you think that you're going to be even more emboldened if somebody doesn't stop you? You're now going to walk through that veil and he's going to go and he's going to see the ark and then God would have killed him right there. No different here than in our day today. Whenever people go beyond their authority, their scope of authority, we must be valiant men and women and stand up against that which is wrong. Guys, we've only got one constitution. And when it's gone, then we're Europe who has no constitution, who has no rights to the First Amendment, who have no right to assembly as we are doing right now. Isn't this wonderful? We're meeting knowing that other people around this country, around this world in England and Germany and Italy can't meet. I feel very privileged to be able to be with the body of Christ, like the Bible tells us to be. I can't wait to give these guys a high five in heaven. Way to go. Did they tackle him? Okay, that's what I would think would be funny. But, Azariah, 80 guys run in, knowing that they would be killed. Do you hear that? They knew. (laughs) If this guy decides to go postal on us, we're dead. But we're going to do it anyway for the principle of it. Okay. We'll stop kicking that horse. And so they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, Please know with me, it's not for you, or you have no right doing what you are doing, and yet Uzziah thinks that he has the right to do that. Sometimes people think that they have the right to do that, but they don't have a biblical mandate to do that. You ever hear a Christian say, well, 
You know, I think that's right. Who cares what you think? What does the Bible say? Well, I think, I, again, I don't care what you think. What does the Bible say? Does it go against it? Does it? Is it not for you? Are we willing to do that in love? Most people won't. They'll never get into that kind of confrontation in love with somebody else. It's not for you, Uzziah. He used his name. It's not for you, Speaker of the House or Governor. You add whatever your politician is. It's not for you to do that. You have no right to do that. You have no mandate to do that. Notice, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord. Please note with me, but for the priest. There was a prescribed way in the law of Moses. There was one way. You had to be a Levite. You had to have Levi genes. Come on. Come on. You know how long I've been waiting to use that one? And I have Wranglers on tonight. I don't even know where that fits in biblically. He says, it's not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, notice, who are consecrated. It means they're set apart to do this. They have a specific role. King, you have a specific role. No priest is walking in and saying, I'm the king. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> Please know with me. Get out of the sanctuary. Is that strong language? It's not very seeker friendly. That's not really loving your neighbor, priests. Can you hear the Twitter battle that would go on? Can you hear that? Can you hear the people posting on your Facebook? That's not loving. Get out. <laughs> For you have trespassed. Listen, you've sinned. They called it sin, what he was doing. <laughs> Again, you don't say that to the king, knowing you're going to die. We've got to get going here. I have two more chapters to do. For you shall have no honor from the Lord God, which means God will not honor what you think he will honor you for doing. People think that they're doing something for the Lord and you go up and say, God's not well pleased with what you're doing. You're not going to get a star in heaven for what you're doing. They were able to say that to him. And so anybody, don't look. Anybody know what's about to happen? And then Uzziah broke down and cried and said, I'm sorry, you're right. Is that what people do today? This is what happens to people today. And then Uzziah became furious, and he burned down Portland. I'm sorry, I have a different version. <laughs> what are you getting mad at? Why are you getting mad at God's word and God's messenger? Do you see that? Do you see the vitriol and the hate and the venom that comes from people today when you dare say, that abortion is wrong? When you dare say that you've overstepped your bounds as a governor? <laughs> Let's keep going, or I will become furious. Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priest, that means while he is getting angry, Leprosy broke out on his forehead. Now, that's what I call clarity from God immediately. Like, you want to you wanna go postal on my priest? All right. Leprosy. And you can just see it. Can you see the scene? He's yelling at him. He's got that incense. He's throwing it around. And all of a sudden, the priests start backing up because they can see what's on his forehead. Leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priest in the house of the Lord beside the incense of altar. 
And Azariah, the chief priest, and the priest looked at him. And there on his forehead was leprosy. And so they thrust him out. Listen, when it means thrust him out, I hope it means they threw him out. Like picked him up. And those are steps going up to the top. Look. Get out. So they threw him out, thrust him out. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. Now, right there is a hint of maybe him knowing what he just went, uh-oh, maybe. <laughs> and so King Uzziah was a leopard until the day of his death, and he dwelt in isolation, in an isolation house, because he was a leper and because he was cut off from the house of the Lord. So the thing that he wanted to be in the most, which was the house of the Lord, he could not go in because of his sin. And then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house judging the people and the land. Now the rest of the acts of Uzziah, from the first unto the last, the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, wrote, and so Uzziah rested with his fathers, and they buried him with his fathers in the field of burial which belongs to the king. Notice, they didn't even put him in a crypt, in a burial place. They put him in a field. Why? Because he was a leper. And then Jotham, his son, his son reigned in his stead. Chapter 27. So Jotham was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Jerusa, the daughter of Zadok. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to his father Uzziah, which he had done. Notice the parentheses of the chronicler. Uh, although he wasn't dumb enough to walk into the temple of God. I added the dumb part. But still the people acted corruptly. Now that goes from the previous administration. By the way, it takes a while for people in a continuing good administration. You know, we may have had four years of a reprieve, and we've had a relatively good whatever. You can't expect that to change a nation in four years. The Soviet Union... Um, when they go into a country to change that country into communism, they know it will take 15 years at the most because that's how long it, it takes to change inside of the school system because that's where they go first. They go to the government schools and they start with the six-year-olds and they give them that propaganda all the way up and so that 15 years and then that's how you change a nation. You don't change a nation in four years. And you certainly don't do it like this. But still, the people acted corruptly. But he built the upper gate of the house of the Lord, which is good. Notice, he built the upper gate. So he had a mind to help build and to restore the things of the Lord. And he built extensively on the walls of Ophel. Moreover, he built cities in the mountains of Judah and in the forests he built fortresses and towers. So he's preparing like every other king for war. He also fought with the king of the Ammonites and he defeated them. And the people of Ammon gave him in that year 100 talents of silver, 10,000 cores of wheat, 10,000 of barley. And the people of Ammon paid this to him in the second and third years also, tribute or tax. So Jotham became mighty. Notice, because he prepared his ways before the Lord his God. Now the rest of the acts of Jotham and all of his wars and his ways, indeed are they not written in the books of the kings of Israel of Judah? And they are. And he was 25 years old when he became king and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. And so Jotham rested with his fathers. Notice they buried him in the city of David. Then Ahaz, his son, reigned in his stead. Chapter 28. Now Ahaz 
was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem. But notice this is different. He did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord, as his father David had done. So let's just lay aside Uzziah being stupid at the end, right? So we've got Uzziah, 52 years. We've got his son for 16 years. That's a pretty good length of time, isn't it? Relative okay calm, although still wickedness going on, as we'll see in a minute. And yet it does not guarantee that the son is going to follow dad or granddad. Because, as we all know, parents, our kids are sinners. And they have a free will, just like we do. Yes? Sadly. So let's talk about Ahaz. Notice with me how the Holy Spirit describes him, and we've seen this before. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel, and he made molded images for the Baals. So he was influenced by the northern tribes and their false religion. And he, can you imagine? I, I, I can't even imagine putting false idols and building temples near the Temple Mount. And the patience of God to not bring <laughs> a selective tornado or earthquake. But listen, God allows us to have what we want, sadly. And if we want the Baals, he'll let you have it. You can have him or you can have the Baals. Sadly, verse 3. By the way, this is one of the reasons why uh, the northern tribe is taken away before the southern tribe. It, in fact, when God is making the declaration of why he takes away the northern tribe first, he mentions this as their sin. And you would think that the southern tribes would learn from the northern tribes, that the southern states would learn from the northern states. For he burned incense in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and he burned his children in the fire. And that's not a metaphor. He burned his children in the fire according to the abomination of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. So, the Canaanite nations that occupied Canaan before the time of Joshua had practiced this terrible form of human and child sacrifice. God would bring judgment upon Judah for their continually practicing of the foreigners' pagan worship of Molech. Molech was that God. He was made out of metal, usually very tall, arms wide open. They would have a fire at the base of Molech. They would get it glowing red hot. They would have music playing. They would have a rave. And they would have very loud music going. There would usually be drug use going on at the time. <laughs> Shocking, huh? Maybe some alcohol. Maybe there was an open bar. And they would be dancing around until the idol was glowing red hot. And then they would take their children and they would put them in the arms and they would be fully consumed. But the music, the drug use, the alcohol, the noise would drown out the screams of the baby. And that's the worship of Molech. And... When you see that and you know that, and when God says it's an abomination, he takes it real seriously. And I want to make this point because it's important to note this, that the war against the Canaanites in the book of Joshua, as terrible and complete as it was, it was not a racial war. 
Listen, people look at the Old Testament and they go, your God wiped out all these huge tribes of Canaanites, all the Perizzites, the Hittites, all the ites. How could you worship that? Have you heard that? God had a racial war against those poor Canaanites. But that's not what it was at all. It wasn't a racial war. God's judgment did not come upon the Canaanites through the because they were Canaanites. He used the armies of Israel not against their race, but against their sin. And so he wiped out a people because of their sin, not because of their race. If God wipes us out, wipes out the United States of America, it's because of our sin of Molech and the worship of it and Planned Parenthood and the fact that they use aborted fetuses in vaccines. I'm not some kook up here. I know for years people are like, oh, he's just going to rant, give him some time. Isn't it interesting that the things we've been talking about for so long that the media says are kooky are now actually the reality and are true? So who's the kooky ones? Who are the liars? Why is it when... When Project Veritas did an undercover video sting against Planned Parenthood, that almost nobody in the country knew that Planned Parenthood were selling baby parts. And the more intact the baby, the higher the price. Why? Because now they take those body parts and they put them into mice so that the new drugs can be used against that to find a Vaccine, is it worth it? People have no idea what they're about to put into their arm. I know what they're about to put into their arm. God said, I didn't wipe them out because of their race. I wiped them out because of their sin, and it was an abomination, and a nation that does not stand against life and for life is a nation that will be torn down. Why did the Roman uh, Empire dissolve? Because they had a lack for the innocence of life. They were bloodthirsty. So too our nation. If Israel insisted in walking in the same sins, God would bring a similar judgment upon Israel them that he did upon Israel in the north. And when a leader, listen, when a leader advocates the killing of the innocent like Kamala Harris, New Jersey, New York, pretty much they can a baby can be born and you can kill him. This is the world in which we're living in. And pulpits are silent. People aren't outraged. Hence the Project Veritas undercover videos. Where was the outrage? Where was Congress and Senate defunding, putting criminal charges against the people in Planned Parenthood? They can't because it's tied to the pharmaceutical industry who are buying the baby parts. What do we always say? Follow the money. It's a business, and when you make a business... You need more clients. You can all Google this yourself. It's all well known. People don't really care about it. But you know what? God does. And he says it's an abomination that any nation or any leader would stand up and say we need more of it. And that nation will go under. And God's judgment, it is only his mercy that he has not blown us up as a nation. I'm surprised that we have got this far. It's like God's like, I was watching Project Veritas too. No one else cared. And we're worried about mass instead of kids. 
That's our big deal. Uh, oh, I got to keep going. Do you see how upside down we are as a nation when our priorities are not about the innocent? But God took it very seriously. Notice he sacrificed, verse 4, and burnt incense on the high places, on the hills, and under every green tree. He brought back the worship of all the foreign gods. He brought it back. He publicly funded. Nothing new under the sun. He brought people into his administration that would further this agenda. Listen, I don't want to be like that guy that's afraid because I'm not afraid, but God help us what this cabinet will look like. Well, let's see what God's going to do with that. Therefore, the Lord God delivered him into the hands of the kings of Assyria. God allowed the enemies of the Lord to come in and do damage. (laughs) He allowed hackers to come in and ruin our Wall Street or our power grid or you name it. Just got to add a modern spin to this. Notice, and they defeated him and carried away a great multitude of captives and brought them to Damascus. And then he was, uh, I'm sorry, then he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel who defeated him with a great slaughter. For Pekah, the son of Remaliah, killed 120,000 in Judah in one day, all valiant men, because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. How did it all start? Because Ahaz promoted the killing of the innocent. And now innocent people in his country are going to be killed too. Because a leader decided to placate to one political group. Uh, I'm going to go with this group. Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, killed Maasai, the king's son, and Azarkim, the officer over the house, and Eliakim, who was second to the king. And the children of Israel carried away captive of their brethren 200,000 women, sons, and daughters, And they took away much spoil from them and brought the spoil to Samaria. But, (laughs) how about you, but I love the buts in the Bible. Because without them, we would just lose our mind, wouldn't we? We're like, this is crazy. But yet God stops the insanity. And he uses one man. He says, but a prophet of the Lord was there whose name was Oded. And that is just the coolest name. I'm with Oded. And he went out before the army. So what does this prophet do? He puts himself in harm's way to deliver God's message. And he says, look, because the Lord God of your fathers was angry with Judah, he has delivered them into your hand. I love what the prophet is saying. Guys, it's, you're not special. You didn't do anything. This is because God was angry with Judah. And he delivered them into your hands. But, notice this. But you have killed them in rage. And just so you know, that got up to heaven. Notice, it reached up to heaven. What God was telling you or allowing you to take them, but he didn't tell you to kill them. So, you're bad and now God's going to do it with you. You overreached. And now you purpose to force the children of Judah and Jerusalem to be your male and female slaves, but are you not also guilty before the Lord your God? You sinned too. This is what you did. (laughs) Now hear me, therefore, and return the captives whom you have taken captive from your brethren For the fierce wrath of the Lord is upon you. Like, you have about five minutes. Or it's about to open up. (laughs) And so 
some of the heads of the children of Ephraim, Azariah, the son of Johanan, and the rest of these guys, stood up against those who came from the war and said to them, you shall not bring the captives here, for we already have offended the Lord. It, to me, this blows my mind that there are still some in Israel that were willing to heed and had common sense. There were a few left. You indeed, to add to our sins and our guilt, for our guilt is great, and there is a fierce wrath against Israel. And so the armed men left the captives and the spoils before the leaders and all the assembly. And then the men who were designated by name rose up, took the captives, and from the spoil they clothed, notice, all those who were naked among them because that was normal to shame people whom you took captive. By the way, they will get that in a little bit from the, the Assyrians, from Nineveh. They will, they will strip them naked. They will put hooks into their noses, rings into their noses, into their jaws, and they put ropes through them, and they walk them to Nineveh. The northern tribe is about to be <laughs> taken captive as well. Mm-hmm. Where did I go? And I dressed them and gave them sandals gave them food, gave them drink, anointed them, and let the feeble ones ride on donkeys. And so they brought their brethren at Jericho, the city of Palms, and they returned to Samaria. And at that time, King Ahaz sent to the kings of Assyria to help him. So it's just going bad for this guy. For again, the Edomites had come and attacked Judah and carried away captives. God is allowing Ahaz, and, uh, Ahaz the king and all of the armies around to just bombard him. And hit him. He's trying to get his attention. And so the Philistines also invaded the cities of the lowlands and of the south of Judah, and had taken Beth Shemesh, Agilon, Gadaroth, Sukkoth, and its villages, Timnah with its villages, and Gibzo with his villages, and all who dwelt there. And so the Lord brought Judah, listen, low because of Ahaz, king of Israel. Because of the leader of the nation making really bad decisions against the Lord and sinning, he allows that nation to be brought low. For he had encouraged moral decline in Judah and had been continually unfaithful to the Lord. Again, the translation is that Ahaz passed laws that it was okay to transgress against God. Oh, it may not say it in the law that you can transgress against God, but it is. Also, Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, now the, he's going to come and take the, the northern tribe soon. He came to him and distressed him, which was he kind of poked at him. And he did not assist him, for Ahaz took part of the treasuries of the house of the Lord from the house of the king and from the elders and the leaders, and he gave it to the king of Assyria, but he did not help him. Now at that time of distress, King Ahaz became exceedingly unfaithful to the Lord, that is King Ahaz. So two things, when this happens in our life, we can either be hardened or softened, yes? Hot water does what to a potato, it softens it, but what does it do to an egg? Hardens it. The same hot water softens one thing and hardens another thing. So too in the heart of human beings. When the hot water comes in our life, is it going to soften you or is it going to harden you? Now, if it hardens you, then you will be like King Ahaz here who became exceedingly unfaithful to the Lord for he had sacrificed to the gods of Damascus. So it wasn't enough just to sacrifice to the run-of-the-mill gods in the neighborhood. He went outside across, and he got some more in Damascus, in Syria. Notice, which had defeated him, saying, because the gods of the kings of the Syrians helped him, I will sacrifice to them that they might help me. You ever have people really just wacko in their thinking, and you're like, what? 
You're, why would you do that? It's Ahaz right here. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods, and he provoked to anger the Lord God of his father. Listen, he paid federal funds to set up public worship of foreign gods in every city. The Department of Foreign Gods. The Secretary of Foreign Gods. Do you see that? Guys, again, we look at the Old Testament, we go, it has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with us. This screams 2020. It screams the last administration to me. Or what's coming. <laughs> Woo. Now the rest of the acts, and I'm glad that we're done with Ahaz here. Now the rest of the acts and all of his ways from the first into the last, indeed they are written in the books of the kings of Judah and of Israel, and they are. And so Ahaz rested with his father, and they buried him in the city in Jerusalem, but they did not bring him into the tombs of the kings of Israel, and rightfully so. And then Hezekiah, his son, reigned in his stead. So next time when we're together, we're going to read about Hezekiah, who is one of the better kings, who will have a problem in his reign, but he will be one of the better kings. So think about this. He comes from almost the worst king Ahaz. It's his dad. Isn't that good about the Lord? The sins of the father don't transfer to the sins of the son, and the sins of the sons don't transfer to the father. That's the God we worship. That's the God we serve. And a man like Hezekiah can rise up from the midst of the filth of Ahaz. In the midst of the filth of the worst administration in the south. And rise up and start to make changes. Amen? (laughs) What does it have to do with our nation? I don't know. I just know it's possible. If there are valiant men and women who are able to withstand Uzziah the king. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your powerful word, Lord, and we thank you again for that manger, that cave that you were born in, not in the Hilton of Jerusalem. You didn't parade yourself before the princes and the religious leaders of Jerusalem, but to a You were born to a bunch of teenagers and then showed yourself to shepherds. Lord, thank you for your humble birth. We thank you for your humble life. Thank you, Lord, for your example that while they were mocking and spitting on you, you said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Lord, let us have that heart when we're ridiculed and we're mocked. Let us be an example, Lord, to our family and friends that don't know you this Christmas time. Let us speak of the marvelous things that our God has done. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said,